We now continue with Shani, the second installment of our brief lectures on Parshas Shalach. Once again, this is Rabbi Tzvi Hersh Weinreb, and I emphasize that we are focusing on the simple meaning of the entire story. Uh, we will mention here and there some of the special problems, but the main goal is to stick to the pshat, uh, following as much as possible Rashi. The pasuk begins after the Maraglim have been appointed and they have been given their assignment to survey the land and to assess the nature of the people who live there. They indeed do go up from the lower desert to the hills of the Negev, and they do search out and survey the land. As Rashi points out, this pretty much covers the entire uh, breadth, east to west, and length, south to north, of the country. As they go up the hills of the Negev, and notice he came to Hebron. They went up, and he came to Hebron. That means each and every one of them individually came to Hebron. But Rashi, according to the Gemara Meseches Sota, says that it was Kolev, Kolev alone, who went to Hebron. And there he prayed near the graves of the Ovos and the Mohos, near the Orasamach Pelo, and he prayed that he not be misled, that he not be seduced into cooperating with his peers and speaking negatively uh, as they schemed to do. Then the Pasuk describes Hebron. In Hebron were these three individuals, giants, Yelidei Ho Anok, the descendants of Anok, of a giant. Hebron was built seven years earlier than the city of Tsoan. Now Rashi has his reasons for saying that this means that Hebron was seven times as attractive as Tsoan Mitzrayim. But the simple meaning is that it was older. And therefore, says Sforno, the Jewish people knew of Tsoan. This was a city with which they were familiar from their time in Egypt. And if they are told, as they are now, that so on, that Hebron is even older and more ancient and more beautiful than, than so on, this is a, a very, very important piece of information. ad Nachal Eshkol. They came to Nachal. Nachal is a, in English these days, it's a wadi, W-A-D-I. It's kind of a, a spring or brook or river or river bed, Eshkol, which means a cluster of grapes. They cut down a branch, a vine, 
and a bunch, a cluster of grapes. One, simple meaning, this cluster of grapes was so heavy that it had to be suspended on a moat, a pole, and carried by two individuals. Umin horimonim, umin hateinim. And they also took some of the pomegranates and some of the figs. Rashi, again following Chazal, points out that to really analyze this puzzle carefully, you can see that there were more than just two individuals carrying one um, uh, pole, but rather uh, eight individuals carrying two poles and um, other the others carrying the eshko the um, the fig separately and the rimon separately, so that ten people were involved in the carrying, and Yoshua and Kolev refrained from carrying back anything because they knew that the Maraglim were up to no good by taking these uh, fruits as uh, souvenirs. Although remember. They were instructed by Moshe to take some of the fruits. That place, Lamokom Hahu, Koro Nachal Eshkol, he called that place Nachal Eshkol in um, to remember Al Odoso Eshkol. The place was called Nachal Eshkol to refer to this cluster of grapes, Asher Korsu Mishom B'nei Yisroel, which the B'nei Yisroel cut down in that place. Here, the Svorno says something very interesting, which really fits the Pasuk. He says that the people of Canaan were astounded. They were accustomed to seeing these huge clusters of grapes. That was an ordinary experience for them. So they weren't going to name a... Uh, a, a place, Nachal Eshkol. However, when they saw that the Jews made such a big fuss over this Eshkol, this was a wondrous thing to the Canaanim. Wow, they're impressed by something which we find ordinary. Therefore, says Isfarno, the meaning of Pesach Haftalit is, Lamakom hahu koro Nachal Eshkol. He, the Canaani, the inhabitant of the land, he called that place Nachal Eshkol, naming it after the fact that the Jews, Karsu Misham B'nei Yisrael, they cut down a, that cluster, thinking it was so special and wonderful and unusual. After 40 days, they returned from this tour, T-O-U-R, of the land of Eretz Yisrael. And they went... And they came back. El Moshe v'yel Aharon v'yel Kol Kaladas b'nei Yisrael El Midbar Poron Kodesh. They came back to the very place where they began. Vayoshivu osom davor v'yes Kol Ha'edo. They responded. They reported to Moshe and to Aharon and to the entire congregation. Vayaruum espri ha'oretz. And they showed them the fruit of the land. Now here, this opening phrase in this last puzzle is rather strange. Vayelchu, they went. Vayavo, they came. They're returning now. We know that they went. What is the Vayelchu? Again, Rashi, quoting the Gemara and Sota, says that this is to indicate that just as they returned home now with this scheme in mind of... Um, 
puncturing the morale of the Jewish people when they reported about the land, so too Vayelchu, when they set off, when they began their journey, they already had this Eitzorah, they already had this evil counsel in mind. The Or HaChayim HaKadosh, and here we're going a little bit beyond the basic pshat, but it's a fascinating passage, and I commend you to read the entire passage. He is concerned with the problem of if the Jewish people, if these Meraglim were sent on a mission by God, then they are shaluche mitzvah. They are agents, messengers, who are carrying out a mitzvah. If so, how could they be harmed? We have a rule, shiluchei mitzvah enon nizokin, that if a person is engaged on a mission of a mitzvah, he'll come to no harm. And these miraglim did come to harm. Were they not shiluchei mitzvah? And Orachayim HaKadosh gives numerous answers to this very fundamental question, but one is on this apostle vayelchu vayovo. Since when they left, they left with this scheme in mind. They were not shluchei mitzvah. Had they gone lishmo, had they gone with noble motives, then they would have been shluchei mitzvah, and they would not have this evil intent would not have occurred to them once they were on a mitzvah mission. But vayelchu vayavo, they went, they departed on the mission with the same eitzorah, the same negative evil counsel with which they returned. So they never were really shluchei mitzvah. They always had, uh, they were always up to no good, so to speak. And again, the Orachayim HaKadosh gives other um, answers to address this question. What was their report? Pasuk And they said to him, presumably to Moshe, and they said, We came to the land where you sent us. Vigam and indeed Zovas Khalavudvashi. It is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. Vizepirio and they showed the fruits of the land, the grapes, fig, the pomegranate. But and here's the big but Efes ki azhaom and here is where they begin to go downhill. They say Ephes, Ephes, oh no, can't be done. Can't be done. Ki azhaom, the very powerful people. This negativity, this Ephes, but, but, that's the big but. I, I, I often say to people, when someone is talking to you and makes a statement and then says but and continues, then don't listen to what he said before the but. From the but on, that's when you listen. You get a compliment. Oh, Rabbi, that was a wonderful speech. I really liked it. But, well, discount everything before the but. Listen from but on. And, impossible defeatism they're very strong these people who dwell in this land and their cities they are very well large well fortified cities we saw these giants there and Rashi reminds us the Jews knew about Amalek they knew they were Everybody went through Amalek. This was designed to frighten them. 
Vahachiti, Vahayavusi, Vohemori Yoshebohor, and there are these other nations which sit on the mountain. Vahaknani Yoshevalayom, and the Knani dwell along the ocean, Vialyada Yardain, along the Jordan River. So there's, all around you there are these nations well entrenched, well fortified. Some of them you're experienced, you know them, you've seen them before, Amalek, some are giants in great cities. So obviously, they're building up their case. And their case is, we can't, we just can't, we can't possibly overcome. At this point, Vayahas Kolev Es El Moshe. Kolev hushed, or shushed, or silenced the people to Moshe. Rashi says, what does it mean to silence to Moshe? He had a ploy. He wanted to get the people's attention. So he said, not only that, but this fellow Moshe, you know what else he did? And of course, this got to everyone's attention. And once they had his attention, he could say what he wished to say. Vayomer, and he said, Alone we can go up, we will go up, we can do it. We will inherit it. These, what is it, six or eight words are powerful, impactful words, words full of confidence and hope and optimism. We can do it. Now, you might wonder, what happened to Yahushua here? Why is it that Kolev is the one to try to silence the Miraglim? What about his partner, Yehoshua? And here, Shadal has an interesting comment, very brief. He writes, Yehoshua Shosak. Yehoshua was silent. Yehoshua had this not inferiority complex, but he knew that if he would speak up, people would look down on him. Ah, Yehoshua, he's Moshe's flunky. What he says doesn't matter. So therefore, Yehoshua wisely was silent and let Kolev speak up. But the people were not impressed. The other ten miraculin. We cannot. We cannot go up against this nation, they are stronger than us. And Rashi points out that can mean they are stronger than us, or it could mean they are stronger than him, capital H. They are stronger than God. They are stronger they are stronger than him, which already is not just treachery, it's blasphemy. Then they began to speak slanderously, negatively against the land which they surveyed. And they spoke to the Jewish people and said, Yes, indeed. The people, the land is, is, is beautiful, it's full of milk and honey, but it's a land which devours its inhabitants. Because we saw as Rashi points out, wherever we go, there were funerals, there were burying people. Of course, God planned it that way so that no one would pay attention to them. They would be too busy in their grief and mourning. But wherever they went, they saw people dying. 
all the people whom we saw there were anshemidos. There were people with great, uh, what should I say, great measurements. There were people um, of, of great power. There were giants. There were people who you had to measure and say they're six foot, they're seven foot, they're 250 pounds. They are people of Midos. It is fascinating that one of them, Farshim, says that in case you think that the reason why all these people were dying was because they ate too much and too much food can do you in, and you might think that's why they died. Well, let me tell you something. They were unshamedos. They ate with measure. They ate in a measured fashion. They ate small portions. They weren't gluttons. And yet they died to the land must be an Eretz Ocheles Yoshveho. And that's the, just about all they say negatively is that this is a land which is Ocheles Yoshveho. Then they go on to say, their, their major point. We can't beat these people. We saw these giants who, legend has it, had fell from heaven. Rashi says they're speaking to the giants of the Bnei Shamchazai Vazoil, Shenoflum and Hashemayim Bimei Dor Enosh. They are fallen angels, giants. We were in our eyes like grasshoppers. And many, many commentaries say, if you deal out of a position that you think you're a grasshopper, the enemy will see you like grasshoppers. So first, in our own eyes, we felt inferior like grasshoppers. So therefore, it's no wonder that in their eyes, we also were perceived as grasshoppers. And the Pesach continues now with the reaction with the reaction of the people. The people raised their voices and began to cry that night. Of course, as I'll tell us, that night eventually turned out to be the night of Tishabov. As Rebbe Lishlalem said, you then cried on that night a vain cry, a cry for naught, a cry for no reason. I will make this night a night for crying for all generations. This is the beginning of the history of Tishab of Balailohahu that night. They turned their vented their wrath against Moshe and Aaron. All of them, Kol Bnei Yisrael, Vayomer Aleihem, Kol Hoedo. Everyone came and said, "Lu Masnu Be'eretz Mitzrayim." It would have been better if we had died back in the land of Egypt. How terrible a statement that is! How ungrateful! Oba Midbor Hazelu Masnu. At least had we died in the desert. Vilomo Hashem Eviosano El Ha'oretz Hazoslin Pol Bacherev. Why has God brought us here to die by the sword? Our wives, our children will be booty. They will be taken captive. We'd be better to be slaves. Better to be slaves than captives. Ironic. Then they went further. And one man, one person said to the other, one wonders who was this person who said to the other, who were the instigators here? One said to the other, let us appoint a chief and return to Mitzrayim. We need a leader, 
let's find some rebel leader, we'll follow him right back to um, Egypt. Moshe and Aaron fell upon their face before all these people. Moshe and Aaron were just in despair. As Sforno says it, When they saw how utterly futile it would be, how utterly impossible it was to speak to these people, how they had fallen, therefore they fell upon their face as the Sanhedrin fell upon its face when they had no response to Yanai HaMelech, alluding to Gomorrah in the Mesechah Sanhedrin, Perikoin Godol, which many of us recently studied in Dafyomi. But the point is, they fell upon their face. They just had nothing to say. But they had nothing to say, but their disciples, the heroes of the story, had what to say. Two individuals, Yoshua and Kalev, who were, were also part of this surveying team, also part of the scouting party of spies. They rent their clothing, because what they were hearing were words of blasphemy. When they said, notice how again and again the Torah emphasizes that was basically everybody set against Moshe and Aaron, Yeshua and Kalev. It's Kol Adas Bnei Yisrael. And they said simple words with which we end this particular Sheni Tishlishi segment. There's one thing to remember. That land which we've seen, Tova Ha'oretz Ma'od Ma'od. It is very, very good. Let's lay this on the line, they're saying. The first thing to remember, and here even our fellow Maraglim, who have now turned so treacherous, they're not denying that the land is wonderful. The land is Tova Ha'oretz Ma'od Ma'od. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. They're just talking about our ability to conquer it. But first of all, let's tell you, the land is wonderful. Let's stop here. And indeed, let's stop here at Shlishi, finishing the second of our uh, brief lectures on the Parsha of Shalach.